Welcome to Two Dudes, One Movie Podcast. The podcast where two dudes dive into cinematic masterpieces from a different decade each week. From black and white classics to modern day blockbusters, we'll be covering it all. This season, we'll be focusing on psychological thrillers. And our movie this week comes from the 2020s. Stop me if you've heard this before. It's a movie about trauma. It's a movie about abuse. It's a movie about the modern day invisibility cloak. It's The Invisible Man. Rick, can you believe we have made it all the way to present day? All the way from the 1950s now to the 2020s. Here we are at the finish line, the end. Isn't that something? We're in COVID right now, 2020s? 2020s, back to COVID, baby! Back to COVID. Well, Rick, obviously with the pandemic, everyone has forgotten about life in those days. Um, Why don't you go ahead and give a little recap on this movie because of uh, the pandemic, of course. Of course. So, Park, in this dark, twisted story, we see a young wizard use the cloak of invisibility to eavesdrop on his victims. But in this movie, instead of a wand, he yields a knife and a thirst for murder. Now, let's be serious. This is a story of abusive relationships, a story of trauma. And no, Park, this is not the story of the Church of Scientology. This is The Invisible Man. Wow, Rick, you just uh, nailed it right on the button right there. Had to, you know, bring in Scientology a little bit. Don't want to spend time on well, it. Well, Rick, you know, like, one of the things we do is we, we talk about what the movie is about. You know, you usually ask me and I go into it. And actually, the only thing I have in my notes uh, is Scientology. So That's the only thing I wrote. <laughs> it's the only thing down. It's the only thing in the entire document is Scientology. So it's the only footnote under Elizabeth Moss is Scientologist. And I also, uh, there is another note. It's the, uh, the killer boyfriend is actually Tom Cruise's brother as well. So Tom Cruise's brother. It's, he's not, but it was, a, it was a bad joke. It's fine. I know. He's a good-looking guy, though. <laughs> yeah, Rick, is he? I think he is. Well, we don't see him much. It's true. He's invisible. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't see him very often. <laughs> I will say, before we dive into the movie park, is it not ironic that Elizabeth Moss, we know her from Mad Men, we know her from The Handmaid's Tale, particularly I know her from The Handmaid's Tale, I only watched a few episodes of Mad Men. Same. How do you, like, The Handmaid's Tale is amazing in the way that it really, like, it has a lot of, like, actual real things about a cult. How does she go through acting in that show when she's still a Scientologist? It's a great question, Rick. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like once you accidentally slip in, like, like Scientology is like slipping on a banana peel. You just like you slip on it and you accidentally slide through the doors. Haven't there like, been like maybe not ex-wives? I thought there was like an ex-girlfriend of Tom Cruise that like has like disappeared. I thought it was Kate, isn't it Katie Holmes? Like, oh, it is Katie Holmes. Yeah, I think they were married at some point. I don't know. It is Katie Holmes. Yeah, she's like disappeared. And uh, I don't think Katie Holmes has disappeared, but she's had like some weird things said about Scientology. She got out of that relationship and stuff. Oh, uh, gotcha. Well, all I know is. On the news recently, Drake Bell, like, disappeared for a few hours. And something in my head was, this church got to him. Scientology got <laughs> Scientology, to him. Scientology, baby. And then cops found him, I guess, two hours later. I never read the full article. I just got a little, little notification guy on Twitter, you know. We gotta go to this, the last movie in theaters that a lot of people saw prior to lockdown. COVID. So, what is this movie about, Park? 
Well, Rick, I find that actually very interesting, considering that the last movie a lot of people saw was The Invisible Man, and then we all went invisible after that because no one else was around. Um, but what is this movie about? You know, I think it's about a few things, a few things that we've heard and talked about a lot on this podcast this season. It tends to be a trend in the psychological thriller genre. It's a movie about trauma, specifically abusive relationships this time. Uh, PTSD of being in an abusive relationship and how those demons don't leave you even when the culprit isn't around anymore. Uh, I think that's the main message that it's sending. Then there's some fun uh, sci-fi thrillerness to it as well. But that's that's its message. That's what I believe the modern day Invisible Man is all about. Completely agree with you. I think the movie at first is obviously about like no one's believing her. I wish, as an audience, it was set up to us like that, too. So, I always like, so I always do it after we watch the movies, before, right before we record. I watch the, uh, the initial trailer and then the cinematic trailer that comes out for each movie, if there's two trailers. I did that for this movie. The very first trailer makes this as, like, a movie that, like, oh, is she insane? Like, that's your first thought from it. It's, like, a little trailer spot, and it's, like, this is the trailer, like, The Visible Man doesn't exist. Um, second trailer fully shows, like, kind of fully shows everything. I'm pretty sure even, like, you see, yeah, you see the suit a little bit because you see in the trailer her pour the paint on him. And that's part of the problem of, like, the modern-day trailer. I know. It's just giving away too much. Yeah, which, and so I absolutely, like, this movie's great. Um, I think that's my, like, and we're going to get, I'll go to my bad, I guess. I'll go to my bad and ugly. Let's do it. Rick, let's get into it. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Give it to me. I think they gave away a lot too early. This is one of the best acting performances, I think. Easily, to me, this is the best acting performance of 2020. I think you can make an argument. This is one of the best acting performances we've seen in a minute, right? Um, Wow, Rick. Dude, I think both Elizabeth Moss and the cinematography carry this movie. Particularly because the director pretty much said, like, Elizabeth Moss, like, do your thing. Because she's, like, incredible in roles like this, right? I think that she... This character is set up to be the perfect, unreliable narrator, and I don't think it leaned into it enough. That's my only, that's my only thing. Like I, like I think that it should have leaned into it a lot more. I, I, I wish I was guessing. It felt like it was going to a little bit. Like, obviously, at the beginning, she's escaping her boyfriend and she drops those drugs. You find out that she used those drugs to, to drug her boyfriend so that. He wouldn't wake up and while she was leaving, yada, yada, yada. I, I thought it was going to play as those were her kind of like drugs that she d- took for mental stability or something like that. And it was going to kind of play into that a little bit. But it never, like the first act and a little bit into the start of the second act, you can you kind of question it a little bit. But it, it totally like moves away from that by the midpoint of the movie. And you're like, yes, it's very clearly... The boyfriend or somebody is behind in this invisibility suit yeah and like and that's not to say like there's definitely twists in the movie like it's definitely like there's a shocking twist right um to a degree i didn't see it coming i honestly i saw this movie back in 2020 i still didn't see it coming when i watched it again i, I guess i have a bad memory i was like oh yeah <laughs> it was actually the brother right there um spoiler spoiler sorry whoa whoa we don't do those here yeah it wasn't the brother it was Harry Potter. It's Harry Potter. <laughs> his invisibility cloak. Harry Potter is the brother. <laughs> Harry Potter is the brother. He came back from Hogwarts. Oh my. But yeah, so I mean, that's my bad. I guess what is uh, 
Do you want to talk about yours for against the good? Yeah, um, I've got one bad note uh, kind of on top of what you were saying there. The main bad I'll share is the boyfriend character, Adrian. I felt like his character wasn't fleshed out well. I felt like he was fairly two-dimensional. And the only context and motivation we get from him is our ideas of what a toxic relationship and a toxic abuser looks like in real life. We learn more about Tom than him, which is, to me, is the issue. Yeah. Like, he's bad because he's bad, and obviously there are people like that, but you you kind of would like to just maybe understand the psychology of it just a little bit more. You don't need to dive into it super intently, especially in a movie like this, but just a couple lines of dialogue that really kind of get into the psyche of the character. Yeah, because they kind of they danced around. Like, when they asked her, like, things that happened... There's a lot of things that are implied of, like, him just being, like, a control freak and stuff like that, but they never really address it in the forefront. It's just all kind of assumed and applied, and, I mean, that's fine, but, um, again, it it just meant for a very flat, two-dimensional character. Yeah, but, again, because of that, I think it would have been fine to keep it flat if they leaned into the unreliable narrator. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I I think, I felt like they were kind of, like, stuck... A little bit, right? Like, I feel like they're kind of stuck in the middle of that, so I agree with that. So that's my bad. That's my bad note on top of what you were talking about with the unreliable narrator. My ugly, I do want to share that. Dude, I'm so happy you wrote this note. Rick, my ugly is justice for Zeus. This all goes back to the opening scene where she's escaping the house, she's in the garage. First she kicks over the dog bowl, and you're like, oh, they have a dog. Where's this dog? And then... She gets to the garage, she's about to leave, and the dog shows up there. He's got an electric collar on or whatever, and she's like, oh my gosh, okay, I, I can't help you, I gotta go. And she's like, never mind, okay, I'll help you. And so she's like struggling to take the collar off, hits the car, the car alarm goes off, yada, yada, yada. But here's the thing, Rick. She takes the collar off, and the dog runs off, and then the next thing it cuts to is her climbing over a, like a wall. It, which means it's implied that the entire estate is surrounded by this giant wall. So what was the point of taking off the dog's electric collar to have it escape with her if there's a giant wall around the entire property? You're like, all right, fine, I'll help you so you can run around in the yard for a little bit tonight. To the end, too. Like, he was still just stuck on the property. <laughs> no one gives a crap about Zeus. No one cared about Zeus. It was just, I thought that that was kind of silly. I was actually, I was going to write a little line about that in my intro. I meant to text it to you, but I decided not to. I'm happy that you have this note, though. I thought the same that's, thing. That's my ugly, Rick. Justice for Zeus. Justice for Zeus. At least he doesn't have the shot collar on, I guess. You know, I mean, and at the end, he does, he does go away. But it's also still justice for Zeus, because is she that smart of a person to release the electric collar and realize that there's a giant fence that he can't jump over? I... I just don't know if that's justice. So, Park, I, I would say my ugly. All in, like, a similar scene, right? The, the beginning scene. I'm not an architect, not an artist. Never claimed to be, Park. Yeah. There is something absolutely horrifying about modern architecture at night. <laughs> like, I don't know why. I don't know if it was the way it was shot. I don't know what it was. But, like, 
Dude, that house was so creepy. It seems like it was creepier than like an old like creaky house. I thought it was kind of a cool design, but it is kind of spooky at night, I guess. And just like the thought of like, I understand. So we went, I had a cabin weekends the other weekends and then we were like up in the mountains, right? The bathroom, the like window just faced over the like kind of horizon. You could see mountains from the window. It didn't have any shade on it. And like, it felt odd that I was like, oh, I don't want to, don't want to poop in the open window, you know? Because <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily like get up that high to poop in front of windows. Yeah, but. that's always like a weird thing is when you're in a bathroom that has like a really open view. Um, but like it's looking towards like a cliff or something where no one can really see back through But you're also like this just doesn't feel this right. feels weird But that's the thing with the house to me is that like man like Their bedroom design to me is really weird like they're surrounded by just glass and it's like oh This just feels so weird and like you could hear the sound of the waves so much I know that's probably relaxing for some people people have sound machines Like we have a little sound machine of just ambient noise going on in our room, but it's like just these loud crashing waves. I was like, what is this house? Interesting house. It kind of reminded me of Tony Stark's house in Iron Man, though. It does. It actually has that design, which, I mean, I guess, like, Iron Man could could have been a horror movie, man. We should have got it. Yeah, should have been. We should have Iron Man versus the Invisible Man. Oh, Rick. That's throwing what I want to see. see. Throwing out the good sequels. That's what... <laughs> Dude, we know Marvel loves sequel. I just gave them another idea. Yeah, there it is. That's perfect. Who's the, uh, who's the Marvel exec that you walked by? Is he, do you think he's listening? Uh, Kevin Feige? Yeah, he's probably listening. Yeah, I'm sure he's one of our top listeners. He's the only listener. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for listening. Thanks, thanks Kev Dog. Okay, so I want to talk about, uh, we got to talk about what is good. We talked about our bad. I think both of our uglies is definitely Zeus. Our bads kind of match, too. Let's see if our goods match, Park. What is your good? Yeah, I've got a few things. Um, first and foremost, I loved, love, love, love the angle this movie took with the whole abusive relationship aspect combining that with the invisible man i think it's so important because the invisible man is a remake of an old horror movie um, and when you remake movies when you retell stories you've got to do something different you've got to say something different we've talked about this before we've talked about this with the disney live action remakes and how they're not doing anything different and there's really no point for them existing harry potter tv show we're looking at you hbo yeah, but even even there, there's possibility to do something yeah, different because they have so much longer of a run. So um, there's a little more optimism there, but these Disney live action remakes, I'm just I'm spewing over because they don't do anything new or different. I think I watched Lady and the Tramp. I think that was the first. That was the only one I watched of all the live action remakes. Yeah, I mean, it's just like you've seen the if you've seen the cartoon, you've seen the better version. Yeah, like the cartoon's amazing. It's so good. Yeah, so I loved that it had a message, it had something to say, it was very poignant, it was, you know, relevant to today's times, and it was just a great combination of a real intense subject and this kind of monster sci-fi aspect of filmmaking. So I, I thought it was a beautiful marriage in that sense. Obviously, abusive relationships is not a beautiful marriage ever. Another thing that I have as a good is the contextualization of the characters at the start of the film was great. Um, so basically what all that mumbo jumbo means is I loved that we learned and understood everything we needed to know in the first scene without like any dialogue. Her sneaking around the apartment, you know, all of those 
subtle things, the looks that she gave him, the fear in her eyes. We understood exactly what type of relationship she was in, what was going on. Dude, I love the uh, the camera pans of just the empty hallway. Yeah. Too, and it pans back to her. Man, that was so good. Did that? That was another great creative choice that this movie takes is like letting you sit in the stillness and the silence of a setting for an extended amount of time. And that takes place even when she leaves the house and she's kind of at her sister's boyfriend's place um, right before the Invisible Man shows up, kind of just like sitting on some silent, long sequences. Um, so it worked really well. But yeah, those are those are a few of, of my goods from this film. Rick, what about yourself? Yeah, so my main goods are, I would say the cinematography up to when I think the movie transitions to an action movie. Um, and even the transition scene, and I, like, I'll break that down in a second, I think is amazing. I also think the ending, I think horror movies, how do I say horror movies? Movies in general these days have a hard time with a good ending, right? Like, I feel like there's a lot of things that's like it's hard for them to wrap up or they wrap it up all at once and it just like feels weird. Yeah. Like, especially modern movies, I don't think there's a lot of time spent on like how do I craft this like great ending. I mean, that goes all the way back to our first movie, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Neither of us thought that that was a, a great ending. That's true, too. Except the original ending would have been phenomenal. I think we both yes. agreed if they'd done the original ending, that would have been amazing. But then they all wrapped it up in an awkward bow in like the last three minutes of the film. When I think of a bad ending in modern movies, I think of, uh, oh my gosh, what is the Harry Styles Florence Pugh movie that just came out? Oh, Don't Worry, Darling. Don't Worry, Darling. Dude, I thought it was so weird. <laughs> the ending of that. Yeah. Felt like it should have been the whole movie. And it's sort of like, oh, and this is this is the world. Let's end the movie. That was a very rushed and awkwardly paced final act of the movie for sure. And I think that says so much about the I guess creative direction of the movie. Like I love directors and I love writers that want to spend time on crafting an ending. I just don't think that I don't think we see that enough these days. I think the ending of this movie is incredibly well-crafted, right? But prior to that, I do want to talk about cinematography and, I mean, obviously the incredible acting performance from uh, Elizabeth Moss. Uh, so, like, cinematography, that was awesome. I think, like, you say it there that you kind of, like, get to sit in the room and there's a stillness and, like, it kind of feels like I'm actually in the room in a way. Park, we're the invisible man in some of these scenes. I just think the way they do it is really, really good. I think there's a lot of shots, especially when we first see her in the house after she runs away, that the shots are like more like looking up. They're like kind of counter level. So like they're not they're not really low, but they're kind of like, I guess, like kind of mid-level. So it's kind of like staring up, I guess, up at the subject a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think horror movies in general, the best horror movies, instead of playing on jump sequences, they play on camera angles. I think uneasy angles and uneasy sounds, uneasy things like that, that's what's creepy, right? Mm -hmm. I think jumps are, like jump scares are so cheap and I think they're just so overdone. Whereas like this movie, I think does, like this is a Bloomhouse movie. I want to talk about Bloomhouse in a second. Like they, uh, to me, Bloomhouse has some of the best horror movies, if not the best horror movies I've ever seen. Maybe one of the best movies I've ever seen. But they also have, they get a lot of movies that are just out there that are, to me are just kind of cheap jump scares. Um, that, but that, that's just where we are with horror movies these days. You bring up a great point. This movie could have so easily relied on jump scares. In like so many ways, it's the perfect movie to do jump scares for. And like it, does, it doesn't 
hardly do that. The only one that comes to my mind is when she's in the attic and she throws the paint. But they killed that man because they showed it in the trailer. I watched the trailer after I watched the movie before we got on and I was like, why the heck would you show that? That's a, that's a good jump scare because there's so much tension built up to that. It's a great jump scare, which is rare to come by, and it actually serves a purpose to the story because that's the first time we get like an actual reveal of this, you know. Like the suits, like the, the suit thing. itself. Yeah. And that she's not necessarily crazy. So I was thinking of the things, and, and I guess you can tell me. So I was thinking of the things as I was watching some of these sequences, mainly when the first thing she does to like try to see like where he is is she pours like ground coffee on the ground, and then it was a few moments later she dumps paint on him. What do you think is, like, the best, I guess, the best, like, tool to use to see the Invisible Man? That's a great question, Rick. Best tool? That's an easy cleanup. That's that, I think that's where I'm going to throw into the question. That's an easy cleanup? Yeah, so, like, if you throw it, it doesn't hit anything, it cleans up easy, doesn't stain, all that stuff. Honestly, like, I would maybe get, like, a tarp in a room... Um, and lay it like stretch it out across the entire room so kind of like what she did with the coffee and just put a little bit of water on top of the tarp because if someone walked into the room and stepped on the tarp you would see the water splatters and you would see that so I feel like that that's where my mind initially goes which is not very far off what she did with the coffee grains but if you go back and watch that coffee grain scene there's very clearly like not it's not across the whole room like there's a side by the wall that like there's a couch he could just also yeah like there's, there's plenty of do. space where he could move around without stepping on the coffee so for me my first thought was like she like took the coffee and i was like why don't you just take flour i feel like flour one i feel like it's easier like you only take a little handful and it goes everywhere that'd be very tough to clean up obviously but it feels like the easiest way to like use kind of save your ammo i guess a little bit that's true uh when she used paint obviously paint was the only thing in her like immediate like reach i think paint is the absolute worst thing you could use because <laughs> like if yeah. you're wrong and you just you just have all these paint <laughs> splatters over this, this poor guy that was what i was thinking is like man she just got like the floors all painted and stuff when no, she... like this guy this guy's kind of trying to he's trying to renovate this house i know he was he's being a good guy letting her stay there and stuff and she's gonna throw paint on his floor <laughs> good grief the property damage rick that's where my mind went this that was that's some real horror right there property damage I don't know a lot about paint. I guess it might have been primer. I don't really know. It looked really, really liquidy. I don't think paint's... Neither of us are very handy men, if you couldn't tell. I mean, we're not. We Are people that are, like, obsessed with movies handymen? Is that a thing? Can you be both? I don't I don't think so. We'll have to, we'll have to ask around. Yeah. If uh, you're a handyman out there, leave a comment below. You have uh, something you wanted to bring up. Something you wanted to talk about a little bit more. So uh, I'm giving you the opportunity right now. This is your space say and rant about whatever you like so far we have been at this portion we do it a lot i have food rants i have movie rants i think i killed the last movie we have because i ranted about it so much there's a lot of food i guess i could choose from this movie one i will say the all-time fave my favorite little restaurant food scene is there the restaurant at emily the waiter like comes up and he's like do you want any water and she was like what the freak hunt like she was so sassy to the waiter and he was just like he was doing his job just normally. She was she was having none of it the entire restaurant. And she, I mean, the entire restaurant, the entire time. And then obviously, like, what, 20 seconds later, she gets her throat sliced. Well, I think that's a good life lesson right there. Be nice to your servers. Or you might get your throat sliced. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, Park, I need a dive in here. 
This movie should have swept multiple Oscars at the 2020 Oscars, but it got nominated for none of them. It entered to be in a lot. And there are many articles, if you look in 2020, there are an insane amount of articles, I'm saying, few articles, that say, is The Invisible Man going to sweep the 2021 Oscars? I'm not the only one that thinks this. It did not get nominated at all. Academy doesn't normally nominate horror films, and especially movies that... The Invisible Man had an early 2020 release, so a lot of those movies get left out and forgotten about by the Academy as well. So one being horror and two being early in the year were not good things for... I know. I just think you balance. So like a lot of people say The Shape of Water is like a horror movie. Obviously it got Best Picture. Um, we have, I mean, any movie that Jordan Peele touches, right? That like are in that horror genre that always gets this like critical acclaim. I don't really know when, I can't even look back to when he like released these different movies, but I'll, they always get critical acclaim. Um, so I want to say... We know the Oscars voting committee. They hate a lot of things. Not going to say there's things, but I'm saying it's like 65, 67% white males. We know what you don't like. Why do you hate horror movies too? You know, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. So I know we have a lot of things underrepresented. A lot more important things in horror movies that are underrepresented in the Oscars. I was throwing there too. Like, why, why do you hate horror movies too? I just don't, I don't understand. It's a great question, Rick. You should, uh, you should... Go to the Academy and ask them. <laughs> I suppose I should. But, Park, I want to talk about... First, I'm going to bring up Best Picture. Then I'm going to bring up Best Actress. These are the two Oscars. I genuinely think that Elizabeth Moss should have won Best Actress. I think I, I think I could fight that. Best Picture, a little bit tougher fight. I think it should have been nominated, though. I'm going to list out the Best Picture uh, nominees and then, obviously, the winner. And you tell me if you would take any of these out for it. And you would tell me if you would... Pick it to win, okay? Okay. So we got Sound of Metal, Mank, Minari, Promising Young Woman, The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, The Trial of the Chicago 7, and No Bad Land. Would you take any of those movies out to put this movie in? I don't think so. Really? No, I don't think so. And I have actually seen every single one of those I've seen. I've seen every one, too. Maybe... Maybe promising young woman, but even that's got a very um, strong message, um, and it's not as beat over the head as I thought it was going to be. Um, and it actually turned out to be a much better film than I initially thought it was marketed as. Realistically, of all these, I don't think I don't think so. I think they're all a step above. <laughs> I think it's on the same playing field as Sound of Metal. Honestly, and Nomadland, dude. I did not enjoy Nomadland Yeah, but the thing that's different about The Sound of Metal and this film is The Sound of Metal is such a character piece and it's such a unique perspective that hasn't been explored extensively in the film genre that helped elevate it, I I think. And it also had a a phenomenal performance by its lead, so... I would even fight Nomadland. Nomadland won the Best Picture, by the way. Nomadland did win Best Picture. I unfortunately didn't get to... Ex- I, obviously, this was during 2020, and that was one of those movies that I watched at home. And I feel like it would have been a much better viewing experience in the theater, especially with the sweeping landscape cinematography of it all. 
To me, both Juice and Black Messiah and Charles Chicago Seven were better than Nomadland. Yeah, I really enjoyed both those films. I'm gonna get. To, I'm gonna get to the one that I I would fight tooth and nail that she should not have only been nominated. That Elizabeth Moss should have won this easily, Park. Easily. Mm-hmm. So we have the 2021 Best Actress. We have Andrew Day, that has the U.S. versus Billie Holiday. Vanessa Kirby, Pieces of a Woman. Carrie Mulligan, Promising Young Woman. Viola Davis, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And then the winner, Frances McDormand's Nomadland. Frances McDormand is a freaking goat. She's amazing. She should not have won for this movie. Yeah. Her win for, for Nomadland was... It was kind of an underwhelming year, I think, in, in the Best Actress category, to be completely honest with you. A couple of these performances, I still haven't seen a, a couple of those movies, so I can't speak too uh, extensively into it. But I think Elizabeth Moss could theoretically be in this category. I just feel like her movie is not as strong. Not to say that it's not a good movie. It's a very good movie. but Well, I know, but did we see that, though? I feel like we were. I feel like the Oscars is rewarding performances and not movies. To me, The Whale is not a strong movie. That just Brendan Fraser just won. I don't think The Whale is a strong movie. I think Brendan Fraser is a strong actor in the movie. I don't think The Whale itself is a strong movie, and he obviously won. But again, it's one of those character piece movies. It's the Oscar darlings. I know. That's. I mean, the Academy likes what it likes and wants what it wants, and an extensive character piece always rises above or seems to almost always rise above kind of a, a thriller horror type movie i want to say other big snubs uh that had zero nominations biggest thing to me is zero nominations should have got some nikon nomination right uh the shining zero lady in the tramp the original lady in the tramp zero big lebowski zero and the original blade runner zero all these movies are like bonafide classics uh big lebowski i guess you can say is like a cult classic because i think that picked a more like more fame as it like was out. I think you could say the same thing for Blade Runner as well. Yeah, and I guess The Shining, right? Um, but really, Blade Runner didn't have a, a nomination for like visual effects or anything like that. No, and this is the this is the '80s one, but still, right? Yeah, no, but still, like the the visual leaps and bounds it took and what it did for the sci-fi genre in a lot of ways is. Lady the Tramp is surprising me too because even early on, Disney had such a strong foothold. Yeah, and like they were getting a lot of animated movies at that time, so. I'm shocked that Lady in the Tramp didn't get I could either. see The Shining not having any nominations. It really came into its own later on. Yeah. But when it's its initial release, it was kind of an underwhelming response and performance. So not surprised by The Shining. It's really grown in popularity over the years. But that's interesting. It's interesting to see some of these really high-profile classic films to, you know, not even get even a little bit of recognition by the Academy. But that that's how it goes sometimes. Park, I have one last thing. One last part of the uh, the rant, if you will. Just step away from the Oscars. Park, if COVID went a different direction and was worse than it, it turned out to be, this movie could have been, could have had one of the biggest footprints in cinema history. This could have been the last movie that people saw in theaters. Like the last movie, it came out like at the week or like a two weeks prior to COVID. This could have been like the last movie that like when people think of like, oh, I saw this at AMC or Regal or whatever if they closed down, if COVID was that 20 bad. 20 years ago. Yeah, the, like, the, the last, last movie, movie I, I ever saw in theaters. Oh my gosh. Rick, what would have been the last movie you would have saw in theaters? Oh man, I think I need to look. Like all the movie theaters went out of business and like what would have been your last movie? Oh, it would have been Tenet. That came out in 2020. Uh, okay, well I saw that after when they reopened. I think Tenet came out after movies oh, started reopened. Right. 
So before Tenet, though... It had to be like March or like February of 2020. I can tell you mine. Tell it, give it to me. And it would have been really sad. My last movie I might have ever seen in theaters was I Still Believe. The Christian... Like... <laughs> <laughs> the Christian romance movie about Jeremy Camp. That could have been the last movie I ever saw in theaters. So mine actually might have been in 2019. Um, it would have been either Us, 1917, or Parasite, whatever came out the latest. I know I, wa- I saw those three in theaters. Well, those all three of those would have been good ones to have... Uh, ended- any one of those would have been great to end on. I feel like I just had a while that I just wasn't inspired to go to the movies whereas I, I in the end park i know that you we have differing opinions on uh on the importance of actually going to a movie theater it's a little bit i think it's important either way i think covid if it was so bad that like it killed mom and pop movie theaters it killed amc it killed regal and then like i guess this year right like 2023 like we would really see like a full rebuild of either one of those theaters or like whatever i'm so glad it made it through and it, it's also making it past this whole stupid 30 days in theaters straight to streaming nonsense like theatrical windows are coming back with a vengeance well park i don't know if you saw shazam 2 that lasted two weeks before it came to or came to hbo (laughs) that's fair but a lot of movies a lot of studios are realizing again like hey there is a major profitability to having an exclusive theatrical window i think when a movie bombs yeah, they, they'll you know they'll slide it over a little quicker but but after like three weeks to a month they'll like put it on like apple or amazon to buy for twenty dollars yeah and then they'll like wait it's like full course to like actually pay the rental price that's what i've noticed though i feel like you can you can buy movies to like that are in theaters to watch now pretty fast i still think that it's getting back to a better position for the theater itself which i think is encouraging we're gonna do something a little different here so this has been a little segment we've teased um, a few times throughout our podcast. It's called Science with Parker. Science with Parker. Parker. And I thought that this was a great time to really dive into this because we've got a whole technological suit built off of cameras and lenses and there's so much science in there. So I, as a great scientist always does, I ask questions, Rick. And the first question I ask is, is this real? Can it be real? Can it be done? I have one question for you before we dive in. Please. On the spot, can you make a little jingle for Science with Parker? Similarly, I guess, to Bill and I, the science guy, I want a little Science with Parker jingle. Okay. Um, well, first off, Becky, who edits these podcasts, my wife, she always, she's always she been putting in a little jingle for Science with Parker. Oh. Um, but it's good. not going to go with that music at all. I'm going to tell you that right now. Here we go. It's science, science, science with Parker, Parker. It's science, science, science with Parker. Science with Parker. Da-da-da. You like that? I would show that little little show to my kids, I think. All you little boys and girls out there, time to tune in and put on your thinking caps because we are talking about invisibility. Ooh. All right, I'm going to lean out of that whole children's thing now uh, rick so i asked that question of course and i did a quick google search and i found an article by the smithsonian magazine the headline is the invisible man isn't real but this invisibility technology is isn't that interesting rick 
It is interesting. Um, it went on to say talk about a few different um, technologies used to cloak things to make them look invisible. A lot of them are based off of angles that you have to look at um, certain objects, and everything has to be like a still object in a sense. Yeah, like so, I've seen mirrors a lot. Yeah, so nothing, nothing super exciting. But at the end of the article, they talk about something a little more interesting. What scientists are exploring with right now, uh, and it says one of the one way of making something disappear involves four lenses spaced just right. Scientists from the University of Rochester figured out this relatively low-tech solution. The lenses bend light in a way that creates a blind spot between them. Curving light rays around a ruler, hand, or some other small object, rendering in- invisible when viewed through their aperture. But the setup has a key flaw, Rick. Move your hand back and forth and out of the blind spotters. Simply take your eye away from the lens and the spell is broken. This problem is common to most of the modern technologies that are called somewhat misleadingly invisibility cloaks. Most of them work from just a narrow range of angles or wavelengths of light. Mm. Pull up the article. Thanks for sliding that link in over here, Bark. Oh, Rick, I'm all about sliding links. We got a little hand with a hole in it over here. Yep. So it's a little little disappointing. Like I was saying, there's nothing really out there that, uh, at least in our modern day, that's being talked about or explored in the public eye that deals with technology quite like the invisibility suit in this movie. But uh, very rudimentary tactics that are being explored. I thought what was interesting about this is some of the possibilities of this technology in the future. They kind of end on that a little bit. I would like to think that, like... There's a realm of possibility with how this suit is designed, how it says, like, all these little lenses and cameras. But, and, like, obviously, I don't exactly know how you would do it. Like, you'd kind of have to have, like, a camera and a screen all in the same little thing. But I don't know. Like, you think of, like, what if science and, like, engineering and all this stuff advances, like, 300 years? Do you think we I would just wonder if we actually get anywhere with, like, with something like that? Anything's possible in the world of science, Rick. So, it's true. as a fellow scientist... I would have to say. Um, But just one more thing that the article was talking about was um, using some of this technology, not necessarily for human cloaking, but to potentially use it as a way to cloak tanks and vehicles on a battlefield. Things that are stagnant or still that they're holding in bases to be hidden away from surveillance systems and stuff like that. So that's kind of the next step uh, practicality of these technologies that they're looking at. Have into. you seen the uh, the inflatable tanks? No. <laughs> that were that were. Uh, I think Ukraine is using them. I think we sent them to Ukraine. But yeah, there's like inflatable tanks that pretty much, unless you're pretty close, not pretty close. I'd say like you can probably spot it from what like quarter mile. You probably can see that it's not a real tank. But I mean, if you're doing like you're in the air looking at it, it like looks like a real tank. Oh, so it's just like, an, it's literally just an inflatable and it's supposed to... Just to like make it look like you have more force than you do. Incredible. <laughs> now, Park, I think we have a little activity, don't we? Rick, we always have a little fun activity towards the end of our podcast. So how, how'd you know? So, Park, before we dive into this activity, I was trying to fight. I was at war. I was at battle with AI, ChatGPT. We're all going to be at battle with AI. I felt like I was Will Smith today, Park. I was just, I was fighting it. And I was trying to find a funny script that could somehow bring Harry Potter's invisibility cloak into the movie. Again, every time I do this, which is weird, 
every time I do this, it's like while I'm in, I'm just sitting on the toilet, you know, going number two. <laughs> Great time to do it, Rick. Search chat GBT, see if I can get anything to spell. I think that's exactly how Will Smith fought the AIs in iRobot, too. Yeah, so he was just crouched. He was on his toilet, just on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, couldn't get anything spit out. That was, like, I think super funny. I tried so many times to, like, make Harry Potter a villain. Because, like, it kept spitting out Harry Potter as a cloaked, like, guy. But every single one, the chat GBT would twist it to be that, that he's trying to bring on uh, Elizabeth Moss's character to go find Horcruxes. And he, he always <laughs> kept going, like, chat GBT always came back to that. And I, but I was trying to, to make it so, so Harry Potter was a villain. No, nah, it wasn't buying that. It wasn't buying that. It literally told me, it was like, we cannot make Harry Potter a villain. He is a beloved classic. Or something <laughs> like that. But anyways, Park, our producer, your wife found this BuzzFeed quiz. Rick, that's what we love here. We love a little BuzzFeed quiz. <laughs> love. And if there BuzzFeed isn't a BuzzFeed quiz. quiz, we just make our own BuzzFeed quiz. It is true. We've but done it we, before. The, our producer. We did. Well, we have one this week, and it's, uh, it's called Can You Make It Out of the Invisible Man Alive, Rick? We'll just jump into it. How's that sound? Let's jump in. Let's do it. Uh, by the way, this... This quiz is a, like a this or that, so there's only going to be two options for each one. So, first question: Pick a classic monster, uh, the Mummy or Frankenstein's monster. Um, I'm gonna go with Frankenstein. I'm gonna go Mummy. Love his Brendan Fraser movies. All right, pick a time: day or night. Day. Day, for sure. I'm a I'm a light guy. Pick a Jordan Peele horror: Get Out or Us. Has to be Get Out. Get Out is a better movie, but if I want to really watch a horror movie, I'm going to go with Us, if that makes sense. I understand it. I just think that the horror dies after, like, 20 minutes of that movie. First 20 minutes are scary. Great opening. Pick a way to uncover the Invisible Man. Stab suit, throw paint. I think both stab of those are, are kind of terrible. You're just going to stab the air a bunch. Like, oh, is he there? Is he there? And we both agree that throwing paint is not a very f- great idea either. Park, you'll be like the guy in Psycho. How he was just like in the shower. That's okay. all you to the air. That's me. Yeah. that's Okay, I'm going to be I'm gonna stab suit then. Same. I'm going stabbing suit as well. Like, what, that also reminds me of another another ugly from this movie. The the brother who goes out in, on this rampage through the jail and is, like, taking out all these cops, like, he doesn't shoot and kill any of them. He lets them all live. So they're all going to believe Cece. Well, so that, that's why I think that, like, that was actually the brother because I think it was messier. I think that was the point. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It was just, it was a... Uh... Well, already there, his brother set him up, I guess, right? So his brother, yeah, like the main villain, set him up. I, I forgot to clearly talk about that scene. I love that scene. That was sick. <laughs> There's a behind the scenes of the scene. Love the behind behind the scenes of scenes. And it's like it's honestly really funny. It's just like uh, it's a green screen guy, and he's like holding holding like the gun from a green string, so it looks like the gun is kind of like floating. That's funny. So he's just like carrying, like when he seals the guns, he's just holding it by like a little string. <laughs> it's so funny to watch and look at those things behind the scenes and just like how ridiculous things can look. This is a funny behind the scenes too, because there's just a green dude. just this A lot, there. I'm sure, yeah. Anyways, let's continue. All right, Rick, pick an Elizabeth Moss. Peggy Olsen, Mad Men. 
June Osborne, The Handmaid's Tale. Easy. Handmaid's Tale. I'm choosing as well, June Osborne. All right, pick a kitchen item. A knife or a fire extinguisher? I'm going fire extinguisher here. I thought that was like, the fire extinguisher is genius. I think it's multifaceted though, right? You can, you can, you can go like with the, you can squeeze it, make it spit out, or you can just whack someone with it. There is a couple good uses for it, I'm sure, yeah. I'm going to go with knife. Rick, pick a classic villain. Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers. This is hard. I'm going to go... I'm going to go with what I was scared most for when I was in middle school watching these movies, which is Freddy Krueger. Freddy Krueger would be very scary, but Michael Myers is so realistic. I know he is. So, Michael Myers. Pick a priority. Self, others. Hands down, self. I feel like I want to like make it look like I'm a good person and do others. All right, Rick. Yeah. Fake it. Fake it till you make it. Pick an Ari Aster horror. Heredist, hereditary or Midsommar? Midsummer, however you want to say it. I'm doing Midsummer. I'm doing Hereditary. Have you seen, have you seen both of them? I've seen both of them. I would rewatch Hereditary, but I could not rewatch Midsommar. It's just... It's crazy. I, so I watched Midsummer. Before watching Hereditary, so like Midsummer, I feel like I feel like it's one of those. I feel like whatever you watch first, it's gonna be your favorite. Well, I watch Mid- I watch Midsummer first, and then oh, I watch Hereditary. Yeah. See, like I wouldn't the like the demon stuff gets me. I don't want to watch it more than once. Yeah, I mean, both of them get me. Both of them are like, I'm not popping either of those in anytime soon. They're yeah, both... I'm not watching them again. I don't know. Anyways, pick your status: single in a relationship. Well, we're both uh, married. Both, yeah, in a relationship. And if we weren't married, we would be in a relationship with each other because we're in a pod relationship, Rick. Yes, we were in a pod relationship. A pod relationship. Wow, that's a new that's term. The, we're gonna coin I, that. I just feel like if I Google that on BuzzFeed, there'll be three articles about pod relationship. Oh, for sure. Um, Rick, pick an ally: Emily or James. Dude, James is the freaking goat of this movie. Uh, yeah, definitely James because one, he's the goat, and two. He doesn't die. Why would I want to choose a dead ally? Emily also, like, wasn't great. She wasn't a very good ally. She wasn't great, no. she, I will say she picked her up. She picked her up at the beginning of the movie. That was, that's essential. It's but a, after that, not a lot of help. So I paused the movie a little to read the email that, like, broke their relationship. I don't know how Emily could read that email and was like, oh, my sister wrote this. It like was not. It did not sound like her at all. <laughs> so a little hole, little plot hole there. Yeah. Also, before we continue, another plot hole. Who the heck is the dead body that when he faked his own death, all these pictures? Did he just get a random dead body? That's a great point, Rick. It's all optical illusions. Look at you. Oh, it's, yeah, it's optics. Optics, baby. Finally, pick a way to die. Drowning or fire? Wow, that's oh awful. Oh my gosh. These are two of the worst ways, right? Yeah. <laughs> like fire, fire seems so much worse in my mind, but then every time I've had a conversation about drowning, I feel like I've heard like drowning is one of the like worst ways to die is like how it always ends up going and what people say. So my gut instinct is just saying fire. I, I don't know why. I, I guess I'll die by fire. Rick. There was a movie with uh, Hilary Duff a long time ago. I think it was Greta was in the name, like according to Greta or something. Anyways, she like tries different ways to kill herself in the movie. And one of those ways is like she has a little anecdote about drowning. She was like, drowning always felt like the most peaceful way to die to me. So Hilary Duff, 
Go ahead and take your advice. Park, what'd you get? Rick. I do not survive. I do not survive either. <laughs> Unfortunately, you were unable to survive your invisible attacker. Your first mistake was thinking that seeing was believing. Your second mistake was not trusting the person who kept warning you about the invisible man. I didn't trust the person. I guess not, Rick. You gotta have more trust in people. I'm curious what the right answers are. I know, right? <laughs> oh well. Oh well. I guess we'll never well, we know. We got it wrong. We got it wrong, we're dead, so we can't go back and find out. We're already That's dead. That's true. We are dead. We're at the end of our podcast, and of every podcast, we like to do a little pass or recommend. So why don't you go ahead and uh, pass or recommend The Invisible Man to our audience members? Park, I'm going to recommend this movie. Probably hints at that throughout us talking about it. Again, I think this is a really, I think this is a big Oscar stuff of 2020. Um, I think it's one of the better movies of 2020. Not even that. I just think it's one of the better horror movies, horror sci-fi. I don't even know what particular genre I would put this in. I think it fits our kind of genre we were trying to go for this month, which is a, a psychological horror, um, even though we had some psycho thrillers in here too. I think it fits that. I think it, it has new spins. It, um, it has a good ending, which I think is very hard to find, and thrillers very hard to find in horror movies these days. I will, I'm in the same boat. Definitely recommend. This was my first viewing of this movie. I didn't catch it back in 2020. Had a great time with it. Thought it did a lot of things really well. It had a very poignant message. Uh, like what we said, there was just a few things that really could have elevated this movie to the next level that they just didn't fully commit to um, that would have made it, I think, a, a classic, a modern-day classic. And it really all revolves around the unreliable narrator aspect of the movie. I, there. There's just something that it, it was set up in such a way where it could have been done so beautifully and it just didn't run with it at all. Yeah, like it's definitely, it's watchable, it's printable. I mean, I've seen it twice now. I don't really foresee myself seeing it again unless I need to show it to someone. You just but... want a good modern psychological horror, you know, fun horror-like movie. This is a great one to go out and, and watch. Um, yeah, for sure. So definitely highly recommend. Park. Rick. We are done. We're with done. 2020. We made it to the end. That, that This is the end of our season, isn't it? Park, we have 2030s. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, I forgot. We got to do 2030s movies. Oh, gosh. I totally forgot about the future. Dang, nabbit. Before we wrap up the season, before we even think about what the next topic is for season two, we got a little something, Park. Rick, please spill the beans. So we are going to do... A Rick's Picks, a Park Picks, and then we're going to have a special last episode to finish off our season. All right. So I believe this is the eighth episode. The next episode is going to be the eighth episode. Parker, do we, uh, we need to ask producer. We have ten episodes in the season. I believe it's uh, actually eleven, Rick. There'll be... Eleven, well... There'll be ten movies, ten movies we do, and then a special episode at the end, which isn't technically a movie. I apologize. Math is not my strong suit, Park. That's all right, Rick. You're the scientist out of both of us. I am. So, Park, my movie, my pick... Is going to be seven. Ooh, Rick. So it's a classic. That's more than one, two, three, four, five, and six. Skates around the horror, I guess, a little bit. I guess this would be more of like the psychological thriller, right? But it, I mean, it involves a serial killer. I guess there's some horror, some creepy horror in there. One of the most iconic lines, honestly, of any movie that I've ever seen. That's why I had to pick it. I'm excited. I can't wait to, to re-watch this. Uh, it's been a long time. I, I don't even know if I've actually sat through and watched the entire movie in one sitting before. So, super excited about this. 
Really enjoyed the movie, this movie, and I can't wait to rewatch it. So I think, Park, that we saw this movie. I think you might have been in and out. We saw this movie at the exact same time for the first time. We had a, we had what were they? What, were they Friday night movies? When did we, what Sunday did we night. Do we did Sunday night movie nights. Sunday night movie nights. Mm-hmm. And someone brought over seven, and I watched this movie. I was like, wow, like Owen Wilson. Wow, this is <laughs> wow great. Wow. wow. I don't know where you were, Park. You were in and out. You were doing your thing. I was. I must have been. Obviously, I will reveal what movie I'm going to watch next week. Oh, Park, you can't do it now. I can't know yet. No, I'm not. I'm not going to. I just, I'm just wondering, do you have a guess? Do you have any, any idea of what my pick could be? I think you're either going to ask me to watch all of A Handmaid's Tale in a week. It'd be tough. They're hour episodes. You I would have to stay up a lot. Or I think you're just going to be like, you know, F it, Western, Magnificent Seven. <laughs> Well, Rick, I can confidently say that neither of those is the direction I'm going with. Uh, but it's a hateful late then. But we'll keep you on the edge of your toes <laughs> and the edge of the edge of your seat until uh, until next week, and I will reveal my pick at the end of next week's podcast. Well, Park, as long as it is not a superhero movie, I'll watch it. Rick, it's going to be a superhero movie. <laughs> Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Oh, give me that. Park, <laughs> no. Hancock is a classic. Oh yeah, Hancock, definitely Hancock. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys well you've been listening to two dudes one movie podcast the podcast where two dudes dive into cinematic masterpieces from a different decade each week from black and white classics to modern day blockbusters we'll be covering it all thank you guys so much for listening so much for tuning in for listening to this podcast on all of the podcast streaming accessibility networks um it's been a it's been a great season so far rick hasn't it it's been great and like I've been saying it I said a couple times this season guys you don't like our opinions you don't like our podcast but you're like hey I want these guys to be successful ask your Alexa to play it as you leave thanks so much for listening we'll talk to you guys next week bye Two Dudes, One Movie is an independently created podcast. Like, rate, follow, and subscribe wherever you listen. You can find the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube where we will post full video recordings of each episode. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Two Dudes, One Movie Podcast. Thanks for watching.